Welcome to the podcast, Education Transformation, hosted by Lee and Kate Rich. As 2021 commences, it's an ideal time to review the quality management system of your training institution. In this conversation, we're joined by valued colleague Aaron Dixon as he graciously shares his quality assurance vision developed across several adult education training institutions. The episode was recorded on site within the nation of Kiribati, where Aaron works as a quality lead for the Kiribati Institute of Technology. In recent history, the Kiribati Institute of Technology worked within a third-party contractual arrangement with Australian-based registered training organisations, or RTOs. Part of the conversation focuses upon strengthening the quality management system during significant contractual business changes to develop further institute independence. So we invite you to sit back, unwind with us, as we review the importance of a robust quality management system. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation today. I think it's going to be really rewarding for the listeners. So you work as a quality lead for an international training organisation. Yes. You've also done a similar role within Australia. Mm-hmm. What are some trends and, and how do they uh, align? Um, I suppose for the the trends within Australia, um, what I've been doing previously as an educational consultant in a role was uh, look at developing ownership within the educational um, area, mm-hmm. so within the, the business area of the college or TAFE or whatever. Um, look to create consistency with the look and feel of documents and same processes Mm -hmm. um, and then developing um, tools and uh, and educational content that's really practical and within the right context and that's exactly what I'm doing here Um, so the those those are the three key um, components that I'm focusing on in this role and I've done exactly that in in Australia as well yeah and and so we've worked together quite closely mm. um, on and off here and there um, and you're, you're producing some fantastic work the quality of, of, of the products are, mm. are, Thank are you. outstanding with that in mind that's a big project yes like even just unifying um, a training organisation with its resources and its templates and its yes. procedures how long do you perceive or envisage that process taking um, I've been in country here for coming on to one year um, and this role at this point in time, uh, I think I'll have a good result by the end of this year. So I'm yeah, fairly, fairly comfortable in close to a two-year project to manage to change the, the concept and the perceptions of the staff. Um, previously, this organisation was um, managed as a third party with an Australian RTO as well. Uh, and the transition from that third party arrangement to its current format, um, which is op- operating as an independent training provider, um, not with um, Australian qualifications. Um, the ownership uh, aspect of the work itself has probably been the biggest challenge because staff were fearful of actually making any change. Right. Yeah, yes. so one yes. of the 
you know, and I've felt the same within Australia in, in TAFEs as well, um, particularly if uh, a very large organisation has got like a master product or, you know, their one brand of particular resource and there isn't any scope to change, to contextualise, to, to manage that work in a, in a better quality outcome. Mm. So here it's around, let's identify what's unique about this environment how do we? We're still using Australian training package products, yes. so we're still developing the same tools, resources, learning material. Um, our legislation might be a little bit different here. Um, there's there's other aspects that are going to be a little bit different. Um, so we're actually managing to write things in the right context, using our organisation's policies, procedures. Um, as the, the baseline for consistent practice so our staff are teaching to what our organisation says sure. this is how we're doing it yep. um, being a developing country uh, and being quite a, a well funded organisation we are, have got superior policies and procedures and better organisational structure than a lot of the other organisations within the country so mm. we want to mm. use that as an example of best practice yeah. And then we can roll out. So workplace health and safety is, you know, a key aspect of that um, in developing countries. Quite often there is legislation, but it's fairly loosely interpreted. It might have been written a long time ago and not amended. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So yeah, there's some there's some real significant parts of that that are kind of interesting. I'm going to take you right back to mm. the beginning of that of that response because you raised a really a really thoughtful point, I thought, and that is uh, when you're bringing in best practice and, and change is inevitable, mm. um, often faculty that are attached to their training resources or yes. the way they've always done it yes. can be quite resistant yes, they to, certainly are. To, to the process that, that needs to come in, often mm. because standards change or it's dictated external of the RTO. Yes. How do we address that? For me, um, gradually yes, and deliberately. Um, they're probably the, the two key words that I would use there. Um, gradual because uh, it's not just going in there and making change for change's sake. I'm actually asking questions. My job yes. is predominantly asking questions. Yep. You know, does this work? How can we do it better? Um, do you understand this? Is the student's result indicative of these questions or the the training and in a lot of cases the answer might be no because we've got a third party product and it's been provided to us we haven't contextualized it yes and the trainers actually struggle with the language used in the content it's not user-friendly and in a developing nation where english is a second language um, it's really not user-friendly we we work in a um, in an english-speaking campus um, but yes, English is still a, a very, very second language, if not further down the chain than that. So there's a lot of really unique challenges. So very, very deliberate and very, very gradual. With documents, keeping documents, having the same sort of look and feel for staff to get used to so that everything becomes consistent. And once you've sort of introduced one and then you introduce the next and you talk through the process, they go, oh, I'm seeing the pattern. So once we establish those, I think it's easier to roll forward too. Now, you were raising with me the other day the importance of policy development mm. within the organisation. Yes. Well, I think that's key. 
um, in that uh, we, we can know that there's change that has been made and in, in many ways we can be 12 months ahead of where we, where we are currently in yes. our minds and yep. with our project planning when it comes to quality lead or, or um, the, the development of a quality uh, management process. Mm. But of course that can't all be just laid out all no. at once, as, as you said. And so it's, I think it's really important what you were stating the other day is that if we can develop policy then it justifies and work through consensus yes. through through the through the community of faculty. Yep. If we can develop policy, then it justifies the need for change. Yes, that's right. And then it becomes a communication point. Yes. Um, and we've got fabulous governance structures that exist that you can actually communicate up and down the line, yep. um, and staff can get heard. I'm not saying yes. it works perfectly yes. just yes. yet, but these are the sorts of things that um, do make that policy actually become a reality. Yeah. And coming at policy from a really practical perspective yeah. by identifying what, what are the key issues and how can we resolve those issues through appropriate policy um, and not just having something that's you know pinched from one organisation and, and embedded here because it seemed to be the right thing to do. Um, the organisation that I'm working for has changed so much in the past five or six years um, and in some cases the policy hasn't caught up with what the nature of those changes are um, yeah, challenges and, and that's, that's, that's a great point so I've worked with your organisation on and off as a consultant for two and a half years and mm. I've seen in that time a lot of changes with that in mind, and of course, and, and, and now you're looking at it with fresh eyes, you've been here for close to 12 months, yep. and you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, we need to move it forward, we, we've got this and this and this that needs to be addressed over time, over the next 12 months, for, for, for example. How do we avoid change fatigue in faculty, whether it's here or whether it's back in Australia? Yeah, I'm creating the change demand, um, identifying that these items that we're discussing for change are in fact a problem um, and then driving the, the question from or the conversation from a questioning point of view say if we did this would it make it better yeah. if we did something else would that work here um, and really listening to the answers that you get from the from this faculty because they know what works in this context yes and they know what doesn't yes they know what's been done before Yep. So this is a risk of coming in as, a, as even a long-term advisor, even harder as a short-term advisor where you're sure. in and out and you've got to make a big impact and go. Mm. As a long-term advisor, you've got a longer duration to make the impact, but you've also got to be really mindful of all of the history and all of the other advisors mm. that have mm. been through and made changes and done this and had their and, stamp on it. And the relationships. You've Correct. got to sustain the relationships, yeah. don't you, in your that's, role? That's absolutely crucial. So yeah. for me, um, relationship management is absolutely the key. So I've got to develop it. I think it took probably oh, a good six months to develop trust. Yeah, yeah. And once we develop trust, and you develop that through listening and asking questions, yeah. um, and... Um, not out there to just make that change for the change's sake. Find out what the problems are mm. and then resolve some of those. So we're sitting here in the Pacific, mm. in the middle of the heat yes. and the tropics and very foreign for uh, <laughs> both of us in, in many ways, I suppose. 
Um, now, you in your in your career, you've worked in three different nations, yes. in the Pacific, which yep. is fantastic. Um, and you've also been really fortunate to take your family with you. Yes. So great opportunities for your family, but also no doubt some challenges. Mm. Do you want to just, uh, if, if anybody's out there thinking about, you know, I'd love to do development work in, in adult education, do you want to just expand a little bit, briefly outline some of those challenges and what to expect? Yeah, I think, um, well, what to expect is probably the first challenge in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um managing other people's expectations even the ones that you know very well so I took my wife and two kids overseas um, probably six years ago so my children were young sort of uh, late primary school early high school age and we figured that that was a pretty good age for them to be lifted out of Australia and provided a new experience Um, they one of them was very keen at the beginning and the other was very hesitant and as soon as we landed in country the roles reversed (laughs) Um, and then it was about myself trying to manage my own expectations coming into a new job Uh, my family's expectations of settling into a new country Um, my wife wasn't working there but seemed to be flat out just occupying her time getting the kids organized finding finding food you know we we all get very comfortable with going just to the supermarket to get things but when you've got probably a choice of you know three supermarkets and you've got to go to every one of them just to get the essentials um, and that's really interesting is that is that one shop doesn't stop at all like we have in australia you've got to actually shop (laughs) yeah not at all and then you know in some countries it's uh, very fortunate you can go and get beautiful fresh produce uh in in other countries yeah (laughs) no fresh produce at all so um they're, they're really, really different and challenging environments. But I've found that what my children that are now young adults gained out of that experience at that age was um, so beneficial. It's, I think it's developed them into far more respectful um, and caring people, developed um, empathy, um, certainly a bit more of a curiosity for um, culture uh, and an understanding of other cultures acceptance of you know vast differences in people's general needs and, and living experiences yeah, yeah. Um, and I was also very fortunate to uh, have my wife and my son at different op- at different times in the last 12 months come and visit me here mm. and this mm. is a probably a more unique and challenging environment than I've ever experienced before okay. and yep. yeah they sort of walked away with an appreciation for the type of work that we do because I find that that's the, the drive that the value that I'm giving to a community or yep. to a country um, and they've got an, an appreciation of the work that I'm doing but also a solid understanding of the context of the way I'm living and, and where I'm living which is very very different than life in Australia absolutely yeah. absolutely so it, it, look it does create so many challenges mm. um, and they're constant but it's so rewarding, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah, it's it, addictive, it just, actually. It really is. It yeah. is. It is. It changes you yes. as a person. And although you go back to Australia and you work in the vet sector, mm. it stays in your heart. Yes. Um, there's a passion there to yeah. do it again. And it might take, as well, you say, years. It took me six years to get the second um, full-time contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was primarily because of kids' education. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to pursue and continue to pursue offshore roles um, international schools um, whilst they're generally pretty good in the countries that I was 
able to find work. Um, in some cases, there isn't any. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to inhibit my kids' education. And Australia provides a fantastic education foundation. Yes. Yes. Um, so you certainly can't deny that. Um, and this is why I suppose this input for me is actually away from my family um, so that they can continue their life and education and um, I can continue the work and yeah. we yeah. manage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no <laughs> Just doubt. another challenge. Yes, I looked at your calendar the other day and you've got it all marked out when you're next united as a family, yeah, which is great. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. All right, my final question. What's the best piece of advice you would offer a person who is considering a position in education or in, in some sort of quality facet of education? Mm. That's a really good question because um, I think we get mixed up with the terminology in particularly TAFE sector of vet education um, where we're talking about compliance and compliance creates a fear Mm-hmm. of it yes. in most cases yep. um, which is why I really appreciate my role title being a quality lead mm-hmm. um, and I can actually manage um, the educational transformation from a quality perspective mm-hmm. um, which means I can break things down into what the actual work outcome is for the student what is the industry that they're going into what are the practical tasks that they need to be able to um, achieve and mm-hmm. complete and what's the knowledge that underpins those tasks that, you know, it's broad, broadly comes from the legislative practices and all of those other elements that are within the training package. Um, but we're not asking direct questions around what does that mean and what does this mean? It's around how do we apply this? So from a quality educational outcome, it's really about how much practical application of the skills and knowledge can be Mm-hmm. Observed yep. can be repeated and consistently repeated over several times yep. to determine competency. Yep. It's not, you know, can I answer a test question or can I do any of that? It's uh, developing really appropriate quality assessment tools um, to measure. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's all about consultation. It's mm. all about taking the, the perhaps the force change. Yeah. back to our faculty and saying, hey, here's the issue that's coming our way. Mm. Maybe we've got lead-up time of six months to adapt. Yes. How's the best way to do this for our organisation? Yeah, it's a lot of asking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's and, wise. and a lot of listening. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I tell you what, the other thing is actually creating the opportunity for some quick wins and celebrating those with the staff. Yeah, true. You know, true. Any little win, any little change... And we've had some, um, some fabulous small improvements and celebrating those small improvements because mm. um, it's very easy to just get hung up on, oh, this is still not working. Mm. You know, we've tried this and we've tried this. You know, my, the language that I use with the staff is like, I'm giving you ideas. I'm asking you. I'm seeking your feedback. I'm trying to, you know, summarize what you're telling me the problems are and coming up with an idea that might work. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just an idea. Yep. We can trial an idea. Yep. And if it doesn't work, we can improve that. That's right. And if you don't like it, we can throw it out and find another one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, constantly telling them, I'm, actually, I'm not married to this. It's not my children. I don't love it. They're not my babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it's just an idea. Yep. So coming from a, from a fear, of, uh, a lack of fear, I suppose, I'm not afraid to be wrong. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. 
Aaron, thanks so much for spending this time with us. Huh? It's been great. Yeah, it's been a, a very enjoyable conversation indeed. Thanks, man. Thank you. Learn more about Transformation Consultancy by visiting www.transformationconsultancy.com.au.